Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? So glad that you are back uh, joining us in our greater series today, talking about a greater faith. Um, If I've not uh, been able to hang out with you before, I'm so glad that you're connecting from wherever you are, however you're engaging today, whether you're driving or sitting at work or um, sitting on your couch. I'm thankful you're here. Excited for all those of you joining us on Amazon. We got invited to, to hop on that platform. That's a big deal. I would love to thank our sponsors at this time, but we don't have any. We have a handful of people who are supporting my ministry. And so if you believe in what uh, we're doing, what I'm doing here, and, uh, and the result of what's happening through the last nine weeks, we've had 25 people decide to follow Jesus, and that's a big deal. And so if you support us, if you support me, thank you so much. It means more than you know. I think that we all are uh, here to get better. And so to do that, we have to get real. Let me pray before we start. Father, thanks for our time today. Blessed, I ask you to open ears, hearts, eyes, minds, hands to receive. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for saving our life, for restoring us to the Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So then we believe in Jesus. We believe he's the way to resurrection life. He restored us to God, who's our creator. And so then Jesus came to the earth and lived 33 years perfect. He restored a relationship. And in that time, he grew in wisdom and stature. And he spent three and a half years with his disciples. And he spent that time in person with them. This wasn't 2,000 years removed from a resurrection. This was in person, three and a half years, face to face, doing life together. And toward the end of his time here on earth, he told them, his disciples, numerous times, that he was going to Jerusalem, that he was going to be taken, that he was going to be beaten, he's going to be hung on a cross, he's going to be crucified, and that he would beat death, that he would raise from the dead three days later. So then, after three years here on earth and teaching them what to do when he left, why, after the resurrection, when Jesus, when Jesus came out of the grave, why did he spend 40 more days on the earth after he beat death, after the resurrection. Have you ever thought about that? Why didn't he just like kind of give us a, the peace sign, the deuce? Why didn't he just throw us one on his way up to heaven? Why didn't he just say, hey guys, here it is. Here I was. <laughs> here I am. And I'm out. I don't know that we've ever thought of it like this. Like why didn't he just wave on his way by? And I want, I want to kind of go back to that and I want to remind you of how many times Jesus told his disciples this was going to happen. And so he comes out of the grave and he stays 40 days and he stays 40 days to help them believe. He rose and he stayed as opposed to rose and go. And he rose and stayed to teach them to believe. And you say, no, 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 I think they've already, they already believed. And you might think that they already believed. And I mean, three and a half years, right? If he said it, he'll do it. Won't he? (laughs) Like Detroit culture, man, won't he do it? And somebody will always go, yes, he will. Yes, he will. You know, it's the same, similar culture in Alabama. If, if you go to a Publix at 2 a.m. in the morning and yell Roll Tide, you're going to get a couple back. Whoever's in that store is going to yell that. Love that culture. But in, in all seriousness, I mean, if I spent three and a half years with somebody and they said that they were going to do something and everything I had seen and witnessed from them was perfection and miracles and life and abundance and great you would think that, that they would be like, yeah, okay, I, I believe that. Yeah. 
Yeah, you said it, you'll do it. I believe it. You would think that um, with what they experienced, they would buy in. And here's what Mark 16, verse 9 through 11 says. This is what Jesus is saying, right? This is what happens essentially right after he has risen. Verse 9, we pick up. It says, Now Jesus, having risen from death early on the first day of the week, appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons from she went and she reported to those who had been with him, those meaning the disciples, while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, that scripture says they did not believe. They did not believe. I just want to affirm they just spent all this time with him, saw, experienced, but they did not believe. And so, again, how many times have you told them, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be crucified, I'll beat death. And I'm going to rise again on the third day. These are the disciples that walked with him for three and a half years now, face to face, in person. But were they at the tomb on the third day? No. No, they were off somewhere weeping, mourning the death of, of the Savior. We, we remember the risen Savior. They didn't believe that part, right? And so they weren't at the tomb on the third day. Why? They didn't believe. They didn't believe. And, and don't you think if the man who performed every miracle that you've ever seen said, hey, meet me here in three days, you know that you would do that. You know you would. Because this is like, this is, this is the miracle of all miracles. He's done everything he said he would do. And he said he would be death. And he said he would come out of that tomb, out of that grave on the third day. So, hey, meet me here in three days. Don't you think you would show up? Yes. But did they? No. No. There was nobody there. In Mark 16, 12 through 13, we just continue in, in Mark 16. And what it says is this. It says, after, after that, he appeared in a different form. So he came alongside two men walking. These were followers of Jesus as well. They weren't, they weren't uh, one of the 12 or, or the 11 at that time. But it says that he appears to them as they were walking along the way to the country. And they returned to Jerusalem and told the others, the others meaning the disciples, but they did not believe them either. Their lack of belief. Now these are his boys, right? There's only 11 because Judas did what he did, right? So there's only 11. There's only 11 for a short period of time in the Bible. But for, for three and a half years, he's with these guys. And they didn't believe Mary Magdalene and they didn't believe these two. And what I want you to see is they still do not believe that, that Christ, that Jesus, beat death. And so this is why he had to stay for 40 days after he rose from the dead. He stayed. He stayed to get them to believe. He rose and they did not believe. Matter of fact, they weren't even there. Right. So greater faith, greater faith starts with believing that Jesus is God. You got to know that he came earlier in Mark chapter nine. It's a couple chapters earlier. Uh, a man brings his son who's possessed and he brings his son to Jesus for healing. And he says to Jesus, he says, if, if you can do anything to help my son, please do it. To which Jesus responds, if you believe I can do it. And so the man responds, if it's not a problem for me, I believe, I believe. And the boy was healed and the boy was healed. And the disciples are blown away by this because they couldn't help the boy, but Jesus could. And so here's where we're going to pick up in that chapter, Mark 9, it's 23 and 24. Jesus said to him, you say to me if you can, and I'm, I'm halfway through. 
All things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out with desperate piercing, with a desperate piercing cry, saying, I do believe. If it's not a problem for me, I do believe. But Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. The, boys, the boy was healed. Jesus can do this because he's God in the flesh. And the first step to greater faith, if you're taking notes, is believe enough to let the gospel change your life. Believe enough to let the gospel change your life. I love what the man says. He says, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. That means unbelief was changed forever that day. That man's unbelief was changed forever that day. Forever. And the reality is, is we could all, we could all probably say, I do believe, Lord, but help me believe more. Help me in my belief. Help me believe more. And how we believe more is found in the action step that Jesus gave the disciples after the boy was healed. They asked, why couldn't we do that? And he said, it takes action. It takes action. Meaning, you're not just going to stumble into this one, boys. And the action that he gave them was prayer and fasting. And that's one of several actions that we can take in our engagement, in our relationship with Jesus. And so then, we must put action. What Jesus is saying is we must put action to our faith. The Bible tells us that faith without action is dead. So then if you want more faith, you have to move. You have to go. You have to do. Now, I don't want you to get confused with doing because a lot of people do. You don't get more faith from sitting around. You get more faith from pressing into God. You need more faith. And, and you don't have enough faith because you haven't spent enough time with God. It's an active relationship. It is an active relationship. So let's look at this. I want to gain just a little bit of clarity on this. This is the message uh, version of what I, just, what I just shared with you. Faith without action, faith without works is dead. And so James uh, 21 through 24, this is the message. I'm going to break it up just a little bit. And here's what it says. Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works? That the, work, that the works are works of faith. Now notice, this is not works of the law. This is, has nothing to do with doing. This is not works of the law. Works being salt and light, letting our relationship with God be seen. Abraham was actually walking his son to the altar because God asked him to. And God, was just te- God wasn't ha- going to have him kill his son. God wanted to test his obedience. If you're taking notes, you can write down obedience. And what it means to, to let your faith be a work is we take what we learn here while we gather in this podcast, me and you, one-on-one. It's so awesome. Like, this is, my, this is my favorite thing to do. And let it overflow in the streets. We take what we learn here and we let it overflow in the streets. We let it overflow in the office. We let it overflow in our house, in our bedroom, in our marriage. As parents, we let it overflow where we are. We don't gather as insiders to stay and keep. We gather as believers to go and share. It's probably one of the more powerful points I've ever shared. So let's go back to James. We're going to finish up James 2. And now we're going to go 23 and 24. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God 
and was set right with God. He was set right, righteous with God. He was set right with God. This includes his action. And I'm in the message translation, if, if you're wondering. And so, he was set right with God. It includes his action. It's that weave of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. So, is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? Abraham put his faith to work and was seen as righteous by God. Quick nugget here. Righteous in Greek translates to obedience. It's just obedience. So we're going to be obedient to the word of God. And how you do that is this. Your will is embodied in your actions. So what is your will to obey when it comes to your belief? What's that level? If I had to go 1 to 10, where are you at in your will when it comes to believing? Does it match the belief you have in God or the belief that you have in yourself? It's a tough one, but it's true, man. And, and that's, why we, that's, why, yeah, that's why you're meeting me right now. So what James 2 is saying is truth is true faith is works. True faith is works. You can see it. True faith does something. It's an action. It's an action. You can't ask what to do, though. That's the, that's the toughie. You can't ask what to do because then you'll do it just to do it. It'll be disconnected from your heart. And with great faith, what you do happens because of who you are, not an agenda that you have. So then, you can be who you are, and works will happen because of the character you have, which is built on your relationship with God. James 2 relays to us that faith expresses itself in action. It's compassion in action, loving people because Jesus loves you. Again, these are works of faith, not works of the law. We live in the New Testament. We learn from the Old Testament. So then works are a result of belief not agenda, not agenda or a task. And so then that's point one (laughs) or that's point two rather. So the second step to greater faith is act on it, is act on it. You must engage with God, do something, do something, but don't do to do, be to do, be a follower and let that fruit come from within. If you want to build your faith, if you would say, I believe, but help me in my unbelief, do something, do something. What do I mean? Here is just a little bit of clarity for you. You don't get saved because you do something. You don't call on Jesus as your Savior because you do something. You do something because you got saved. You don't get saved because you do something. You do something because you get saved. If you want to build your faith, read the Bible. Read the Bible. If you want to build your faith, pray. Increase your prayer life. If you want to build your faith, worship. Take the focus off of you, which is our last point. Take the focus off of you. If you want to build your faith, tithe. Give sacrificially. Sing. Sow. Serve. Get plugged in. Serve somewhere if you want to grow your faith. No, it's team sports in a church atmosphere. It's the most amazing thing. You gather as believers. That's the last one. You're going to build your faith? Gather. You want to build your faith? Be an example. Be an example. Because your faith doesn't grow from doing nothing. Greater faith comes from doing something. True faith is works. It is a belief in who God is and who he's called you to be as a follower, as a follower. An an example of putting action to your faith is this. You've seen the coolers at the grocery store 
they all have those sensors that, uh, especially when you go late at night, like we like to do, I like to do, I like to run those errands for Heather late at night when there's about three people in the store. I can get that check out, in and out, because they have two checkers working right. You're going to stay in line forever. I'm going to selfie it. I remember the self-checkouts came out. I was super disappointed, by the way. Let me get back on track. But these coolers in the grocery store, they've got the lights on sensors. And we're talking about putting, your, putting action to your faith is this. When you walk by the cooler or you open the door, the lights turn on. Now listen, they're saving money everywhere they can at these grocery stores. Here we have to pay for our bags. They're changing the lighting in the coolers. I'm not sure what's next. We're just ready for the cilantro to be back in stock here. And so I don't know what's happening at your grocery store, but that's what's happening here. There's nothing wrong with the power in the cooler. It's all still there. But without action, without motion, there's no light. And it's the same with your faith. Without action, it's dark. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And so then, your second step to greater faith is act on it. Engage with God. Do something. Let's talk about step three. I'm going to give you the, the end first, and we're going to work our way to this close. The third step to greater faith is to think a little bigger. And you can underline little if you're taking notes. Think a little bigger. Matthew 17, 20 says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now listen, don't go too little here. We all have different mountains in our life. I know I can't go outside right now and look over at Horsetooth Mountain or Horsetooth Reservoir and say, move, because it's not going to happen. That mountain's been there forever, and it's going to stay there. It's going to stay there. And so think bigger. Thinking bigger allows you to remove the limits that you and others have set in your life, which allows God to move on your behalf. So then we're talking about the mountains that are in our life right now. I've been having some really great conversations with pastors over the past few weeks about the mountains in our lives. And so here's the deal. I want to ask you a quick question. If you have no limits in your life, if you had no limits, if you had nothing holding you back, what mountains would move for you and what mountains could God move for you? What things, if you had no limits, what things can you see yourself doing or getting done if there were no limitations? Now, when you think about that question, not much is going to come to mind but the longer that you stay with and engage in that question, your mind's going to begin to open and you'll begin to see the possibilities. This happens to me a lot. The more I think about it, the more I see it, right? And the two things that limit you, if you're, if you're taking notes, the two things that limit you are this, your thinking and your fear. Your thinking and your fear. And so let's, think, let's talk about you real quick. Here's the first thing that limits you is you. If all you think about is you, then how will reaching others be possible? Your faith doesn't grow in a pity party or a dream session. It grows with action. So thinking bigger means reaching people beyond you. I can't just stay in the fetal position and cry, why me? Right? Number two, fear. Fear. If all you think about is past disappointments or where you stunk or where you dropped the ball, okay, one, it's just the devil beating up on you. Don't let it happen. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if all you think about is that, the past is going to flood your heart. It's going to box you into a corner. And it's going to create limitations in you that feel like they're insurmountable. Like I just cannot overcome. And I want you to do this. Remember, those limitations might shove you in a corner. A little lightener up here. 
Nobody puts a baby in a corner, okay? Don't keep yourself from dancing the, the last dance of the season because God's waiting on you the whole time. Like, come on, come on. Don't limit yourself by small thinking and what ifs. God's not in that. Here's what Ephesians 3.20 says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. And so God wants to do great things in and through you. Do you believe that? That's what he says in 3.20. I can do anything far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does, he does not do that by pushing us around or taking from us, but working within us because this is the action of our faith. So then, what you do happens by God working within you. The fruit that you bear is because of your connection to God, not the angle you work. And it may not look like it, and you may not feel like it, but God is with you, and He wants you to succeed more. He wants you to succeed, succeed more than you do. That's why God's saying this to you right now. That's why God's saying this message right now. I've still not preached the message of greater than I thought I was going to preach. Here's the thing in all that. You can say, yeah, Dusty, that's great, but not me. And it's easy to play the not me card, the not good enough card, and that's okay. If, if you're going to play that, you, if your faith will get bigger, you'll only play it for a while. But if you're in that boat and you're like, not me, I'm not good enough, he never could, all those things, here's my question to you. Are you open to let God make up the difference? If you say, well, I'm only 60% there, does it got a long ways to go. Are you willing to let God make up the 40? We used to have this thing when we were coaching. We'd always ask our players, when your best is not good enough, who makes up the difference? When you haven't ate, when you haven't trained, when you haven't conditioned, when you haven't slept, when you've been unaccountable, when your best is not good enough, who makes up the difference? The great thing about our Christian walk is this. God wants to make up the difference every single day. And so then, if, if you're in the middle of a pity party right now, or you would say, ah, or you're sitting in fear, or you're thinking stinks, are you willing to let God make up the difference? And if you're in that spot, it's okay. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Not that we are adequate in ourselves so as to consider anything as having come from ourselves, but our adequacy comes from God. So then, we're adequate because of God. It's from God, not from us. Yes, God can move mountains, but God's presence in you makes you adequate enough to move those mountains through Him. God makes you adequate regardless of whether you see yourself as a big thinker, as a non-thinker, as a roller coaster rider where some days I'm great, some days it's not. Remember this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, Nothing will be impossible to you. God only asks you to have, that's why I said, think a little bigger. Just think a little bigger. Because if you have the faith of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. That doesn't mean you won't struggle with doubt. That doesn't mean you won't struggle with unbelief. It just means to overcome the mountains in your life, you need God and you need a greater belief. You better think a little bit bigger. 
And the challenge in this is we have the same trouble, the same challenge as disciples. Lack of action. We look at the mountain that's in front of us, and we want to have enough faith to move the whole mountain. But we don't. Because we're comparing to the mountain. And so we don't think we have the faith that it takes, and so it paralyzes us. But Jesus said, if you want to move mountains, stop measuring the size of your faith to the size of the mountain. What Jesus is saying is focus on me and put your faith and trust in me. The one, hey, I got it. I got it. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. The one with the power to move every mountain in your life. And the reality in all of this is this. Your faith is not in your faith. You don't have faith in your faith. So stop comparing your faith to the things in front of you. Your faith is in your God. And if your faith is like the mustard seed and the mountains move, God gets the credit because your belief sets at the root of the movement of that mountain, not your agenda or something that you did. So what's required to move the mountain-sized problem is a mustard seed of faith. It's not how big your faith is, it's how big your God is. And like the man said, if you believe. Like Jesus said, if you believe. To put this in perspective, I wish you could see, but a mustard seed is about the size of a BB. If you've ever shot a BB gun, kids from the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever shot a BB gun, that's the size of a mustard seed. And so then if you see a mustard seed, it's tiny. It's tiny. And Jesus said that the seed is not minimized in potential, even though it's small in size. Because when that mustard seed is planted, it becomes a huge tree. And this tree can grow, this mustard seed, the size of a BB, can grow the size of 30 feet tall and 20 feet wide. The average is 20 by 20 but can grow as tall as 30 feet. That enormous tree comes from the smallest, one of the smallest seeds on the planet. So then, if I can plant or if I can have mustard seed faith, that tiny, it unleashes a huge, limitless potential that can move the mountains in my life. And when we have that faith, when we think a little bit bigger, when we have that faith, that gives God room to be your God. That allows Him to work. That's all the space He needs, and that's all the bigger your faith needs to be. And so three steps to a greater faith. Let me recap, and we're going to finish up. Number one, believe. Believe enough to let the gospel change your life. Become a believer. Number two, believe enough to take action. Be in relationship with God the Father because Jesus the Son restored you. Number three, believe enough to change your thought process. Believe a little bigger. Believe a little bigger. Let me pray. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity to share on how we have greater faith, greater faith in you. Thanks for the words today. Thanks for letting me be a part of what you want to do in people's lives, helping them get closer to you, Lord. It's nothing to do with me. I just thank you, Lord, for the time. Thanks for um, moving in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that we're better today because we took the time to engage in this. We love you. We thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name.
Now, if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, I would love to pray with you. If you're like, I ain't praying, but I'd love to have a conversation, email me, dusty at dustyotis.com. I'm always available. Just don't think I'm too busy to take your, take your emails. I love the emails I get right now. They're so, they're so very random and so awesome. I'm hearing from kids that I went to elementary school with right now. So it's really, really, it's really special. So don't miss out on that. Man, if you share or if you're subscribed, it takes a lot to do that. You're risking some relational equity. But if you know somebody who needs to hear the message, send it on. And as always, come back, come back. I'd love to, I'd love to get with you next week as we talked about having greater direction in your life. Now, I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you know it is the hope of His calling for you and His purpose for you and the great things that He has in store for you. Appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. So go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.